what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is an educational forum for adult child caregivers where we hold monthly conversations about the challenges as well as the joys of caring for our aging parents and caring for ourselves. My name is Jane Everson and my co-host is Frances Hall. Frances and I began the Caregiver Community a few years ago because we're two of an estimated about 23 million adult child caregivers in the United States. People just like our listeners who are caring for our aging parents and for ourselves. Today we're going to be talking about using the internet as a caregiving resource. If you are anything like Francis and me, I know you rely heavily on the internet as a caregiving tool. Personally, I can't imagine living without it. I use it to help me understand when my mother has a medical diagnosis, to learn about treatment options, to learn about medication side effects, and I've used it to research quality of care and patient satisfaction with skilled nursing homes. Francis, I know you too use the internet a great deal. Can you talk about some of the ways you've used the internet with your mom? Oh, heavens yes. When mom decided that it was time for her to move from her home, um, I researched real estate in her town as well as my own um, so she could be closer to me. I took a look at retirement centers, everything from independent living to continuous care retirement centers, again, both in her area as well as mine. And then she took the information, took a look at it, and partly as a result of that, she made the decision to move toward me into, or closer to me, into a, um, an independent living situation so that she would have everything that she felt like she needed. Um, now that she is near, I go online and I get all kinds of information about what's going on and things she and I can do together, including even restaurants and times they're open and menus and, and all those kinds of things. Um, at 95, mom's energy and stamina aren't what they used to be, so a lot of times this can circumvent problems that we may run into. Probably the biggest thing I use the Internet for, though, is when she was diagnosed several years ago with a rare form of cancer. I spent hours and hours and hours finding out everything that I possibly could about the cancer. I think I've read everything out there about it, absolutely. I found doctors and researchers across the globe who are working with the condition, and as a result of that, even contacted some of the doctors and the researchers about the disease and about new treatments. Ultimately, I found a doctor in my area who had experience treating patients with this particular cancer, And very honestly, because of what I had learned on the Internet, I was able to ask him about treating mom in a particular way that he had not that he was not aware of. And so it really worked out really well. And most recently, I found two Facebook groups dedicated specifically to mom's particular cancer. And what those sites do, what the people on those sites do is that they share experiences with their various treatments and are of wonderful support for each other. And sort of like you were talking about having done some research on um, assisted living and skilled care facilities when my mother-in-law was needing placement, then I was able to go onto the Medicare website and found information and evaluations about nursing homes. That were the, and that information was really helpful for my husband and his sisters. So yeah, I'm sort of with you. Internet, I could not live without it. Yeah, it is. It's an amazing resource tool for caregivers, but 
One of the questions that I often have that I know our guest is going to help us with today is how do we really know that the information we're finding is reliable and valid? And there's so much information out there. What do we do with it once we find it? We are very fortunate to have with us today Karen Lee Martinez. Karen has worked in Hickory as an outreach librarian for the Northwest Area Health Education Center at the Hickory Library Division, which is located at the Catawba Valley Medical Center. She's been there since 1990. Northwest AHEC is a department of the Wake Forest School of Medicine and is part of the North Carolina AHEC program. Karen has a master's level degree in library science. She's worked as a registered nurse prior to her work as a health sciences librarian. And I know she's also in a position of providing long distance caregiving for her mom. Mm -hmm. Karen, thank you for joining us today. And we are really looking forward to you helping us understand and make better use of the internet as a resource to learn more about aging and caregiving. Let's start with some real basic questions. For some people, using the internet to gather information and identify resources might be overwhelming. We know how to use a computer, but we click on those search engines and we think, how do we even start? What should we know before we get started, and how do we even begin the research? Well, there are some great places to start or to consult with along the way. I'm going to list several just right off the bat um, that help you surf the internet in a safe uh, in a safe way and so Medline Plus Guide to Healthy Web Surfing is one. Medline Plus Evaluating Health Information is another site and another one um, put out by the Medical Library Association which is called What Did My Doctor Say or Deciphering MedSpeak. I love that one. I do too. I'm not familiar <laughs> with that one at all. Uh-uh. I love it. These are some good resources for guides and tips. These websites along with others that will be mentioned will be included in the resources select section related to today's podcast. And there are some search engines. Now, you mentioned search engines. Search engines are how we look for information on the Internet. They're neither reliable nor unreliable. They're just, they are what they are. They are not responsible for the content that you find. There are a number in current use. Probably the most well-known at this point is Google, because it's even turned into a verb. Let's Google it. But there are others, including Yahoo and Bing and several others, also designed specifically to work on handheld devices such as smartphones and iPads. Are they reliable? Well, the search engines, as I said, aren't really responsible for the content of what you find. They just go out onto the Internet and to the cyberspace and search for whatever you sent them out to look for. They're very literal. They do not reveal the details of the way their search engines search. So each one has its own way of searching. And when looking for critical information, it's sometimes helpful to use several different ones to see what comes up in each one. One is maybe they just have a farther reach or a more specific reach. So sometimes it helps to search for something on several different search engines and see what what they come up with. So the assumption, Karen, would be if you use Google and you use Bing and then you use Yahoo and you come up with a list of some of the same sites, they're more likely to be high usage, more likely to be reliable because more people are using them. Well, reliability doesn't relate to high use. High use, um, the way they come up with high hit rates, okay. you know, how many times people have gone to them, but that does, is not necessarily an indicator of reliability uh, of the actual content of the information. Okay. Um, Let's talk more about that. Let's talk a little bit about reliability yeah. and validity. Yeah. The first, uh, websites have a way of 
arranging their information and using keywords and co- uh, code words that will cause the search engines to give hits on them. So they, um, they manipulate that. So you have to have other criteria for determining if the actual information that you pull up is valid, reliable, trustworthy. And it varies widely. And you can make a website look really, really legitimate. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to have some good little computer skills and you can make almost anything look like it's legit. But there are a number of sets of criteria that can be used in evaluating the various online information resources. Okay, tell us about some of those. Um, The one I like is sort of ABC, accuracy, authority, bias, currency, and coverage. So it's kind of easy to remember. remember. Uh You can call them different things, but so I'm going to talk a little bit about each of those and what they mean. Good. The accuracy means is the information, and this is specific to health information, you can probably apply it to other types of information as well. Is it based on sound medical research? Are there footnotes or references uh, within the site that tell you uh, specifically where you can go to find more information or what they're basing that claim on? And are these footnotes and references from reliable, well-known um, resource- sources? Are there grammatical or spelling errors? Sometimes those get away from us. Um, so those are some things to consider. Authority. Are the website sponsors and their qualifications clearly identified? Can you easily find contact information on the web page? Is there an About Us section that you can click on and find out a little bit more? What is the domain name, edu or .gov or .com? Is it a personal page or a student page or is it supported by the organization? So those are some of the things um, to think about. a bias. Is the information factual or does it represent opinions? If so, whose opinions are being presented? Are they qualified professionals? Or are they just somebody who, you know, took a pill and decided it's the be-all and end-all? What is the purpose of the page? Is it trying to sell you something? Yeah. Or is it trying to sell you a point of view? And is it trying a little too hard to sell you a point of view or a product? Do the graphics and fonts and verbiage play to the emotions? Beware of capital letters and exclamation points. Currency, is there a date on the page? When was the page last updated? And not the date, the copyright date at the bottom of the web page and the contact information for the webmaster. You need to be able to find out who is actually responsible for the content of the website and when that content was last updated or reviewed. Um, a lot of times the websites have a little copyright date or a little date at the very bottom of the, of the home page, and, and they say contact. But that contact a lot of times is just the webmaster so that you contact if the links don't work or something. Mm-hmm. So Good to know. you need to know about the actual information. And do the links work? Or is it still being maintained? Sometimes there's a personal web page that actually has very good information, but the person was a postgraduate student or something, and they've gone on to something else and just left their website, and it hasn't been updated in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Looks good, was mm-hmm. good at the time. What is it now? Mm-hmm. The, Especially with medical research right, changing right. so rapidly. And is the information complete? Coverage, the last of the C's. Remember, manufacturers of medical products, including drug manufacturers, often have good information, but they don't include information about competing products. And are there sources given for additional information? For more information about this, see 
something and they give you a link or a citation to a, a journal uh, article or somewhere else you can go to get more information. You know, some of this may be sort of common sense, but other of it is really very detailed information that we really ought to be using as a lens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lens by which we judge what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. Some of the websites that I mentioned at the beginning, the um, Medline Plus uh, websites, and those will review these some of these criteria, and you can go to them if you didn't. They don't all stick. Okay, today, great. and you can mm-hmm. review them. Yes. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm glad you noted, Karen, that all the websites that Karen mentions will be on ACAP's website as a resource for people who want to download that information. Right. Now, there's another thing that you have to think about on the Internet when we're talking about um, coverage and accuracy and things like that uh, and bias. There's a lot of fraud out on the Internet, just like there is knocking on your door and calling you mm-hmm. up on the phone. Um, so um, there are some red flags that might clue you in that the information is fraudulent. So talk, um, talk more about those. Give us the, some of those red flags. Yeah. Claims that a product is a scientific breakthrough, a miraculous cure, has a secret ingredient or an A-chip remedy. Those are kind of ding, ding, ding. Fooey. I'm looking for some of those. <laughs> Claims that the product is an effective cure for a wide range of elements. Uh, or ailments. No product can cure multiple conditions or diseases. Uh, claims that use impressive sounding medical terms. They're often covering up a lack of good science. Give me an example of what you mean by that. Well, they just, uh, they'll just be kind of over, they'll be amazing kinds of, of claims. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, they'll just be kind of amazing. And they'll also Things have, like lose 10 pounds in 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. And they'll say, uh, or they'll use like a med-speak kind of words, extra adipose tissue, miraculous, mm-hmm. you know. Disappears. Disappearance, you know, <laughs> okay. and before and after mm-hmm. pictures. Yeah. So Things that just sound too good to be they, true. Yeah. Undocumented case histories of people who have had amazing results. You know, those before and after pictures mm-hmm. are... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too easy to make these things up. And even if they're true, they can't be generalized necessarily. Even if one person did drink this uh, amazing little potion every day and lost 25 pounds, there's no necessarily cause and effect proven with just one person, and they can't be generalized to the entire population. Anecdotes are not a substitute for valid science. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are those sites that will say, you know, results may differ per person or something along yeah. those lines. And, that's a and claims that the product is available from only one source and payment is required in advance. That's another little thing. Mm-hmm. Good As I mentioned before, lots of exclamation points and bold print, a variety of fonts used on the same page, claims of a money-back guarantee, and websites that fail to list a company's name, physical address, phone number, or other direct contact information. It's not just a website, something that's out there in the air, in the in the mm-hmm. blogosphere, or whatever, some they, they they there needs to be some real contact information, and this information came from the Federal Trade Commission. They have some websites on uh, detecting fraud mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great information. Really is, really is. Karen, talk about the kinds of information that's available on the internet. Um, Jane and I both ha- both use it as well as talked briefly about. Things like discussion forums, medical dictionaries, treatment and drug overviews. What can you tell us about any of those? Ooh, I can tell you a lot. <laughs> but I'm going to talk about my favorite resources and the ones that I'm, of course, most familiar with. 
um, we're no longer limited to massive printed directories or word of mouth for getting our um, information. Thank you. So goodness. it's very convenient, as you uh, testified, um, that to be able to look up information via the internet, and it helps us to get prepared for further discussion and to be a little more knowledgeable when we discuss things with our health professionals and other other people. So my very favorite rep resource um, that is Medline Plus. So it's medlineplus.gov. I'll even mention that because that's very so that's easy to read. M-E-D-L-I-N-E-P-L-U-S. Dot G-O-V. It's my very favorite resource for looking up medical information. It's easy to remember, <laughs> the, the website, uh, and it's a resource that's put together by the experts at the National Library of Medicine, and they have pre-evaluated thousands of resources and provided descriptions and links to them. You can rely on the information, pretty much, that you find on Medline Plus. And I'll, I'll affirm that as well, Karen. I've used that quite frequently, and it's easy to use. It has good information on it, and for a caregiver versus as a professional or even a patient, I find it very uh, informative to begin the process. It is health information for everyone, and it is actually useful to health professionals as well uh, or anybody for a first place to go to begin to find out about something. So there's a medical dictionary, a medical encyclopedia, many videos of surgeries, illustrations, uh, evidence-based information on medications and supplements, that is aimed at the general public, at regular people. Um, calculators, quizzes, daily health news items, and thousands of pamphlets and handouts which have been produced by the various of uh, the National Institutes of Health and other reliable institutions such as the American Heart Association, the National Kidney Foundation, March Adams, and those types of organizations. There is also a lot of information provided in Spanish and some in additional languages. It's very easy to navigate and to find information and links to information on thousands of health-related topics. There is no password required, just and no credit card involved, just medlineplus.gov, and it is billed, as I said, as health information for everyone. Yes, I highly recommend that everybody just bookmark it on your computer. It's Absolutely. really useful to have. Absolutely. Great resource. Yes. The next one I want to talk about uh, is NC Health Info. It, this is a North Carolina-based uh, website divided into two main parts, health topics, which include the most common diagnoses of health issues in North Carolina and local services. Again, there are tutorials, pamphlets, handouts, links to other places with related health information, videos, and many other resources. So there's uh, a lot of things that are specific to the most common kinds of, of questions that people would have as far as the topics. And the local services section covers health services available within the state of North Carolina by county or region or state. So you can look things up there as far as services. Um, there's also an Ask a Librarian feature where you can ask a librarian for assistance in finding health-related information in a confidential and safe manner. nchealthinfo.org. Karen, are, we, are you aware of whether this resource would exist in other states for our listeners who are in other states? I do not do know. Not know. This okay, is put enough. together by mm -hmm. the, and it is maintained by uh, UNC, mm -hmm. University of mm -hmm. North Carolina mm -hmm. Health Sciences Library. 
They are the ones that maintain this at mm -hmm. this point okay, and keep good. it up. I was not aware of this. And they words. will respond. Yes, There's a little thing that you can type in your question, and they mm -hmm. will help direct you to information. It's not a place to get medical advice, mm -hmm. but it's a, they will help direct you to places to find um, information mm -hmm. if you're having trouble navigating some mm -hmm. of these resources yourself. So. Right. But possibly if someone is in a different state, they could go online, they could Google or Bing or Yahoo, that, that basically they could see if if there is something mm -hmm. that is put out through their state they similar could. to that. And they could also, if they had a question, I'm sure that those librarians at the Ask a Librarian sure. would help sure. direct them to not necessarily the services part in their state, but to the actual right. information on various topics. Right. Right. So right. They, wouldn't, they don't know where you've come from when you put your email at right. gmail.com or whatever. They don't know what, right. where, you, where you're asking from. When you need a dose of entertainment chatter or just a good laugh, be sure to check out Chick Chat on The Mesh. It's girls talking about stuff, well, girls want to talk about. Celebrities, gossip, fads, boys, it's kind of the guilty pleasure of The Mesh Network. Here's a little taste of what you can expect. But you know what I always thought was really exciting? Is at the beginning of a new season when the montage would change yes. and the people were like older or they had something new. Like when you got new Becky on Roseanne. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> an example. Perfect example. You need to know. You can't just start shows and then new people are on there and you're thinking, what? what I needed about, the montage. What about on 90210? Okay, that 90210, it changed every season. It you know? did. And then they had the beach summer one where like... Where they the, worked at the country club? Yes. yes. You know, when the, the opening credits had them like wearing bikinis and stuff and mm -hmm. then another one would be like when they're just in that white room and on chairs that swivel around right oh <laughs> yeah 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 so it's all it's even all. Baywatch when they change lifeguards absolutely they had new people running down the beach in red bikinis but you knew they're a new lifeguard <laughs> I need to get invested in that so come have a listen to chick chat on the mesh.tv you know you want to The next resource I'm going to talk about, a major resource, is called um, nihseniorhealth.gov. So it's Another Senior Health, and this is a special website that is also put together by the um, National Institute of Health, and it is special information aimed at seniors and caregivers. So there are many topics there that are specifically related to senior interests, topics, diagnoses, mm -hmm. tests, lifestyle, health, diet, Medicare, Medicaid, Part D supplements, all of that stuff. There are a selection of topics of special interest to seniors. There's a special caregiver section and unique features that make it more accessible, such as the ability to increase the font size and to change the contrast to make the content more easily readable Wonderful. on a screen. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. that's always yeah. good. <laughs> and the last main collection of resources I'm going to um, mention today uh, is NC Life, where you can get to some of the literature, the actual published results of research and other medical and health-related journals, is um, the wonderful resource that is NC Live. So nclive.org. Uh, this is a collection of licensed resources, such as these are the ones that you normally would, as an individual, probably have to pay for, um, as, such as books, magazines, and professional journals that are available online without an additional cost to you. They don't ask you for your credit card to mm -hmm. get the article. You can get your password to this 
fabulous collection of resources from your local public library. The website is nclive.org, but you must have a password to get to many of the resources and databases. This is available to all the citizens of North Carolina, and it's your tax dollars at work here. The public libraries of North Carolina are one of the primary sponsoring uh, groups for paying for this wealth of resources. It's a whole collection of, of resources, and you can get your um, home access method from your local public library, wherever you have a library card, anywhere in North Carolina. And other states have similar, not every state, but many states have other similar collections of, mm -hmm. of resources. So this, for example, would allow you to actually get into a journal from a medical perspective if you, if you really wanted to talk fine-tune yes. your research and the, look at some of the, the results of yes. studies. Not every journal, but mm -hmm. some. 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 Not every journal is out here, but there are uh, many professional journals and also just general um, health magazines that are aimed at the general public are Good. out there, too, so you don't have to subscribe to everything yourself. Right. And at your public library, don't forget your public library is a resource. It's not online. Mm -hmm. There's actually right. live right. libraries right. with <laughs> live librarians, and they can get things for you on interlibrary loan. So and librarians that. are always so helpful. I mean, they really are. But I just recently used NC Live, and it is very easy to find and easy to use. Yes. I'm not that familiar with discussion forums. I don't think there are so many uh, of those left. They're kind of right. a, a technology we've kind of left uh, behind. But today there are Facebook pages, as you mentioned, that are devoted to various illnesses and conditions, as well as blogs, people who have their own experience navigating through um, a situation, a disease, a process, and um, caregivers. And you can search them out. And again, they are personal usually, and these are personal testimonies and, and stories, and um, you need to read them with a grain of salt and apply your evaluation criteria to, to the, the information that you find. But they can be very useful for support. Absolutely. Uh, for caregiver Absolutely. support and just hearing what other people have gone through, um, both clinically and emotionally and so socially. So um, most of these are definitely places where people state their personal opinions, and you should base decisions on more than just personal opinion. So, look so for really balancing both the professional information with the personal information is going to give you the, the whole picture. Look for evidence and more reliable sources to back up some of these opinions and statements. Mm -hmm. Good. That's a good thing. When you are looking at Treatment and drug overviews, again, especially treatment and drug overviews, apply your evaluation criteria and think about what the bias is of the page where you find the information, um, the date of the information, not just the website copyright, and the completeness of the information presented. Only part of the picture might be presented, the part they want you to know about. They didn't tell you that. The rest of the story. story. Yeah. And always maintain a little skepticism, especially for big claims and astounding types of information. And that's, I, that's really important feedback, I think, for people to remember, because I know we're, we're sometimes desperately looking for an answer. So we may not be as attentive to that as we might be in a less personal situation. So I, I'm glad to hear you say that several times. I think it cannot be overemphasized. We're always looking for a magic bean. Yes. <laughs> sure. Well, yes. per, and per, particularly, I think, when either we or a loved one 
someone is dealing with a really serious health issue, we are truly looking for whatever we can find out there that might help. So we really do need to be very careful about what we are what we are gathering. Good points. Good points. Yeah, yeah. Karen, you are just giving us so much good information. Let's talk, let's shift a little bit. What about hospital and nursing facility reviews? Because that's that can be such a big issue for so many people. And what about agency websites? When we're looking at services and caregivers, how do we how do we make sure we're getting the right information in those situations? Well, Medicare has a new site that compares hospitals, and it's called Medicare Hospital Compare. So um, you can just put that in your search engine, Medicare Hospital Compare, and we're also giving you the actual URL um, website address for that. And there's also a new site that compares nursing homes, um, and it's um, Nursing Home Compare. So (laughs) there are two um, sites put out by the government. They're fairly new. So those are two that you can go. And then when you... Um, Just do, uh, as you mentioned, you can just Google or, I think I'm using the verb again, you can (laughs) internet search um, for nursing homes and then you can get various people's um, comments on on their experience with that nursing home and, uh, you know, or an agency. I would think that an agency should be willing to give you uh, some people who give you some references for them. If they're if they're confident enough in the quality of their services, they would be able to give you some. Should be willing to give you some references for uh, the ones that you identify using your internet searching, and then contact them and ask them for some personal. Uh, would they give you some personal references that that you could talk to about their experiences there with that agency or? or that institution. And again, that combination of the personal as well as the more technical, you know, how, what is the ratio of um, nurses to patients or nurses to, to residents in a nursing home? You know, what are some of the real detailed informations um, that the people willing to have? The right. standards while also balancing that with a person's story about liking the right. facility or not liking the facility. Right. Yeah, good information. What about specific guidelines that we might consider when we're deciding which websites to rely on? I know when I look at websites, sometimes I see ones, and you've mentioned things that are government-funded. Maybe they're funded by pharmaceutical companies. Maybe they're university-endorsed. Or maybe they're operated by consumers or customers. How do we make decisions about those kinds of things? Well, this relates, again, to the criteria that we talked about at the beginning, but we'll just talk about it in a little more detail you can look at the URL or the web address and look at the last part of the address. The .com, of course, indicates it's a commercial site. Even my mom knows what a .com is now. (laughs) (laughs) The .gov is a government-sponsored site. The .edu, an educational institution of some sort. In the past, we used to think that the .org might always represent a not-for-profit type agency, but not so much anymore, as there are so many more websites out there, including those that are no longer updated or maintained. In the past, we could rely fairly well on the .org sites, but now that is also given to for-profit organizations, no longer just to not-for-profits. So we must look carefully at those sites as well. There can be good and reliable information on a .com website. But again, you need to apply your evaluation criteria to the information and the website. What are they trying to sell? What is their bias? Are they giving you the whole story or just part of the story? There is no one easy answer. Thoughtful evaluation is critical. 
Most .gov health-related websites can be considered reliable as they are not sponsored by commercial companies or marketing-specific products. However, there are, you know, there are, and with the .edu as well, those can be uh, very reliable, but you need to determine if the page is a personal web page of someone affiliated with that educational institution. As mentioned, often students have a .edu address and are allowed to post information on a .edu website, and you need to evaluate the information to make sure it's not a personal page. Although there are some personal pages that are very good, perhaps posted as mentioned, as a graduate or postgraduate level projects, then they may have become out of date or developed as a soapbox for personal opinion or have other issues. So use your criteria to determine the validity and reliability of the information you're looking at. And the other thing about the .edu, even in the most well-respected professional peer-reviewed journals, you have to look at the disclosure and see who sponsored that research because oh, drug really pharmaceutical good. companies and medical products companies do give money, do give big grants to well-reputed educational research institutions to perform some of this research. So again, you got to weigh everything mm-hmm. with with who where it's coming right. from. Not necessarily bad, but you'd want to take right. that just into consideration. Take it into consideration. Right. Maybe right. they're just many studies get done that are never reported because they don't report the kind of results that the sponsoring institution wanted to get. Mm-hmm. They found out they got good information from them to help them further their research, but they didn't necessarily publish it where the world would know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you got to just just keep thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, you you keep giving us just good, good insight. Um, we've talked about the Medline Plus site that we all need to go bookmark, but are there some others as we're paying attention to the guidelines, the ABC guidelines? Do you have other valid and reliable websites that you think every adult child caregiver should bookmark? Well, um, I don't know if you should, everyone should bookmark every one of these, but they're definitely worth exploring and determining if they're going to be good for you. Um, And to remember when you're really out there shaking the trees trying to get more information or information that is more easily understandable for you or your family member or whatever. So uh, the first one is healthfinder.gov, which is um, produced by the Department of Health and Human Services. And it has information on health services, health topics, and health news. Uh, Another one is Consumer and Patient Health Information section of the Medical Library Association, and they have a top 100 list of consumer um, health resources. The Fisher Center for Alzheimer's Research Foundation website has some very good resources for caregivers. The Alzheimer's Association has an Alzheimer's and Dementia Caregivers Center webpage, and I'm not saying that everyone, every caregiver is giving care for Alzheimer's and dementia, but many of the things that they've got and the support documents and things that they have will be helpful to any any sure. caregiver. Right, right. The Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregiving has a very rich resources page with many other links. And Today's Caregiver, which is a popular magazine, has an online version at caregivers.com. 
this provides a lot of interesting and useful information for caregivers themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for our podcast listeners, all of these will be posted or are posted on our ACAP community website under the resources tab. Okay, so let's change topics just slightly. How would you suggest, Karen, that adult child caregivers approach health and medical professionals with the research they've collected and with their questions? I mean, okay, so we've gone out, we've done all kinds of great research, we have all this great information, so now we're going to the doctor's office with our mother or father. How do we, how do we use that information to benefit them? Do physicians and nurses and, and healthcare staff, do they really appreciate the Internet and appreciate the research that we as adult child caregivers have done. I think most professionals recognize the value of working with informed patients and caregivers. It behooves us all to be as informed as we can be on the various issues related to our health in order to make the best decisions. Patients and family members are all part of a healthcare team and with more services being provided on an outpatient basis and increasing emphasis on individual responsibility for maintaining one's health, The more informed everyone can be, the better quality of decisions can be made. And it's no longer the healthcare provider and you just go to them and say whatever you say. They they expect, I think there is a growing expectation that the patient and and or the caregiver, um, the family, will be all part of the decision, making the best decision based on clinical information and personal values and personal situations. So um, you need to be able to provide the where, where you got your information, and who is responsible for the content when you bring it. You don't just take a piece of paper and wave it in front and say, I found this on the internet. You know, <laughs> I found this from the you know, National Kidney Foundation and it was dated 2015. Or I saw this in the daily newspaper last week and they were talking about a new drug and here it is and I went to the New England Journal of Medicine and here's the article that they were referring to. Have you seen this yet? uh, Care care professionals have, there's there's a lot of information for them to keep up with and many times they will appreciate you pointing some things out depending on how you um, approach them. So you need to be able to to say where, where you got the information and professional providers also find information via the internet. So the internet is just a medium for communication. It's not the content developer. And be informed enough to provide the website where the information is found. So they can go back and and review that themselves and see, because you're not going to print up, you know, reams of stuff. You'll just print up the highlights, and they may want to go back and research and see the footnotes and the references that are suggested and follow those up themselves. You might want to bring a copy of the information to share and leave with them and ask their opinion of that information and give them a chance. They're not going to be able to just look at something. So give them a chance to evaluate the information that you've brought, especially if they haven't seen it before. And you might also ask them where they might suggest for you to find additional information on a topic. They'll be able to tell what level you're able to digest information and they may be able to refer you to some places that have some additional information that you hadn't been able to find and they are experts in their field and may have some very good pointers of places to go now to your other question about physicians and nurses uh, and others appreciating the internet work I think more and more they do especially if you bring them information that you have carefully thought about and evaluated and have some questions about it. 
that you haven't accepted it blindly and you have written down your questions and your comments and asked them their opinions. So when caregivers wish to work collaboratively with the providers while recognizing the clinical expertise that these healthcare providers have um, towards the common goal of providing the best care and quality of life for their loved one and patients, then that is, we all have that in common. And I think more and more healthcare providers are depending on us to be informed. Right, to right. get some of the information ourselves, but to kind of work with them and get pointers from them and, and additional information from them. They have experience as well, and they can say, I have seen this work many times, or I have used it a number of times and never seen it work. I mean, or say, I'll do some more research on this uh, and find out more about it. I, th- I think more and more these days... As long as you approach them with a, if you be, be if you are approachable yourself, and you um, approach everything as a part of a collaborative team, everybody has their part to contribute in the shared decision making for what is best for that individual patient, whether you are the patient or your loved one is the patient. Yeah. Excellent advice. Okay. Karen, any final words of wisdom or resources that you haven't mentioned yet that you'd like to share with our listeners? One more topic I would like to mention, and that is smartphones. There are These are now so ubiquitous, and I think people should know that there are a growing number of apps, many of them free or very inexpensive, that can provide assistance to caregivers. There are caregiving calendars, drug interaction resources, symptom resources, stress management apps specifically for caregivers, and many more. And I will provide some links to some of these collections of apps Um, depending on what kind of a device you have that are specifically for the use of caregivers that other people have put together and listed, and they'll be posted on your resources selection of that ACAP website. And you can just look at them and try some of them out to see what might be helpful for you in your situation. Another concept I want to leave with you is to evaluate the resources you find. Again, I'm going to say this again that we have covered today. How old is the information? Who created the content? Is there contact information provided? What kind of authority does the creator have? Is the information complete based on sound medical research? Specific references for you to verify the information and are the sponsors clearly identified? Lastly, you can always ask a librarian for assistance in finding information, whether online or print. There are public libraries serving all of us in North Carolina, and there is the Ask a Librarian link on NC Health Info. And I wish you all safe surfing on the sea of Internet health information. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. This has really been excellent. Lots of practical advice, but also really important advice about reliability and validity of information. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today on the Caregivers Community. I hope that you have enjoyed and learned something today about the Internet as a resource for caregiving and caregivers. The program you're listening to is part of the MESH network of online shows and podcasts. You may learn more about the MESH and check out the other programs available for free at www.themesh.tv. On that site, you may also send Francis or I a question or a recommendation for future show topics using the Contact Us button. 
We also encourage you to find us on Apple iTunes, where you may subscribe to the show and make sure you receive all future episodes automatically. You'll find a link to the Mesh website on our ACAP community website to subscribe. Francis, we've talked a lot about the ACAP website. Can you tell us a little bit more about where listeners can go to find information? Absolutely. Um, the ACAP community website you can find at www.acapcommunity.org. That's ACAP as in adult children of aging parents. So www.acapcommunity.org. Or you can call us toll-free at 877-599-ACAP, which is 877-599-2227. Or you can email us at info at acapcommunity.org. Thank you. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.